This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, the West Virginia Girls Estate Tournament gets underway today in Charleston. We'll break down some games for you. Another Mountaineer leaves Morgantown. What are the Niners doing at number three? Do the Niners even know what they're going to do at number three? Could the Orioles pick up another home win against the Yankees? And could the Wizards tie a franchise record with their ninth straight win? All that and more, including a very guilty pleasure of mine on Netflix, a show that I thought where I would think that I would never watch that I would never get into in a million years has suddenly become just this strange addiction for me. It's a show called The Circle, and I am ashamed to admit that it just sucked me in. (laughs) And I can't get out. Anyway, all that coming up in the next two hours of The Morning Rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or on my page at Rush Tony C, our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All three of those pages open to the public. Like them, follow them, and uh, there you go. Send me a message, drop me a line, got a question, comment, opinion, or you just want to say, what's up, feel free. Taking your calls on the rush line. Pretty much for the same reason. 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shum on. 301-759-2628. And of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app where we upload every show every day minus commercials. Just for you. All right. Let's kick off today's show as we kick off every single show to get you caught up on what happened around our region. It's a rock around the region. I want rock! And we start with the NBA, where the Wizards hosted the Spurs last night, trying to match a franchise record with their ninth straight win, and the game went to overtime. Westbrook will get it in, front court right, against Jakob Pertl. Outside right now to Beal. Beal, hesitation, step back, dribble, and a three is off the rim, no good. Rebound grabbed by Bertans, but this ball game is over. The San Antonio Spurs have snapped the Washington Wizards' eight-game winning streak, and the Spurs have improved their road record to 18-10. and 10. Big road win tonight for the San Antonio Spurs as they outlast the Wizards in the highest-scoring game of the year for the Spurs in overtime. San Antonio 146, Washington 143. The call on WOAI, win streak, over. Spurs get the uh, three-point win. As you heard the man say, 146-143. That is the largest, I'm sorry, the second largest combined score uh, in the NBA this season. 
Bradley Beal had 45 points for the Wizards. Russell Westbrook, another double-double. I'm sorry, triple-double. 22 points. Well, I guess it is technically a double-double plus one. 22 points, 13 rebounds, 14 assists. It was his 12th triple-dub in April, breaking the NBA record for triple-doubles in one calendar month. So on Sunday, you had Steph Curry breaking the NBA record for three-pointers made in one calendar month with 85. And now you have Russell Westbrook breaking the triple-dub record for one month with 12. And oh, by the way, the month uh, isn't over yet. Uh, Not until Saturday. Well, the last day is Friday, then uh, May 1st is Saturday. Wizards, by the way, even though they lost, they still hold on to that 10th spot in the East Conference Uh, They are now one game ahead of uh, Chicago and Toronto. Moving on, Major League Baseball, where Cedric Mullins had himself a game for the Orioles. Deft is not a usual descriptor there. This one's blasted to center by Mullins. It is gone! (laughs) Dead center field, Cedric Mullins. His third extra base hit of the game. Outrageous! Well, not only is it outrageous, it's out of reach. (laughs) Wow. The call on Mid-Atlantic Sportsnet, two dingers, a double, and two RBI for Mullins to lead the Orioles past the hated Yankees. 4-2 at Camden Yards. The win moved Baltimore a game ahead of last place New York. In the AL East, the O's are now 4-13 at home against the Yanks since 2019. Elsewhere. The Nationals and Pirates were off yesterday. The Nats open a two-game series tonight against Toronto. That game, or those games, of course, at the Toronto Spring Training Facility in Dunedin, Florida. The Pirates open a two-game home set against the first place, yes, the first place uh, Kansas City Royals. In college basketball, something we'll get into uh, more in depth later on. Derek Culver's career as a Mountaineer is over. Uh, Culver confirmed last night that he has signed with the agency Athletes Sports Management. You're trying to tell me that they couldn't come up with a better name for an agency than Athletes Sports Management? Anyway, uh, since ASM is not an NCAA certified agency, Culver cannot return to West Virginia testing uh, the NBA draft. He was an all-Big 12 first-team selection last season, averaging 14.3 points and nearly 10 rebounds a game. In high school basketball, the West Virginia Girls State Tournament gets underway today in Charleston. Frankfurt, the uh, number four seed in AA, will take on number five Williamstown at 11-15 this morning. Both teams uh, won 14 games this season. We are efforting to get that game on this station Today, we have a couple avenues to take. We are trying. I feel confident that that game will be on our air on this station today at 1115. Uh, Later today in single A, number one Tug Valley will take on number eight Pendleton County at 530. And in the nightcap, number four Tucker County making its 17th straight appearance in the state tournament will take on number five Webster County. And in boys' action tonight, in AAA, 
The field of eight will be set for next week's state tournament. Hampshire will try to punch its ticket to Charleston when it hosts North Marion in the Region 1 uh, co-final. And that is uh, your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. Uh, tonight is the AAA co-finals. Then tomorrow we have the Quad A and Single A uh, region co-finals in boys' action. Then Thursday, it all wraps up with the Double A uh, region co-finals. So there you go. All kinds of stuff uh, going down. Let's start today. Where are you going to start? We got a lot of stuff. We got high school hoops. We got baseball. We got college hoops. Let's start baseball. You want to do that? All right, let's do that. Uh, if you're an Orioles fan today, how nice is it to wake up because it hasn't happened in a while and see your team ahead of the Yankees in the ALE standings? Now, granted, the O's are still in fourth place in the division, but they're still hovering around the 500 mark. Uh, they're uh, 10 and 12, and they have the hated Yankees, one game back in the rear view. After losing 13 straight games to the Yanks, O's have now beaten them twice in a row, including uh, last night's 4-2 win. Cedric Mullins continues to mash for Baltimore. Two uh, solo shots last night, a double. He is seventh in all of baseball. With a 365 batting average. He leads baseball with 31 hits, one ahead of Boston's JD Martinez and Xander Bogart. He is second in baseball in doubles. He leads Baltimore in total bases, on base percentage, slugging percentage, and OPS. Cedric Mullins, dare I say, on O's manager Brandon Hyde uh, talked about Mullins' performance against the Yanks uh, last night. Tell you what, go left on left on off Justin Wilson, who I know very well. You don't see that very often, and not only do it, not only hit a homer, but go dead center. Shows you the power that Cedric has. Um, You know, just uh, all year I've been impressed with him left on left. Got a got a double. At bat before off a really tough left hander on a breaking ball, then he goes, then he goes dead center. So, you know, he's just playing extremely well, and what he's doing is not easy to do to pick up, to hit left handed off left handed pitchers uh, a few months ago, and to do what he's doing, taking the bats he is, is uh, I don't have the words for it. Now, uh, also impressive for the O's was starter Matt Harvey, who uh, got the win last night. And one consecutive start since he won four in a row with Cincinnati back in 2018. Last night he went six innings, allowed one run on three hits with five strikeouts. He did walk three, but eh, he got the win, so whatever. Uh, Harvey said after the game that it's the best he's felt in a couple years. He said he felt good mechanically. He felt strong throughout the entire night. Let's go back to manager Brandon Hyde on Harvey's performance. I thought he got over the hump there. I thought his stuff stayed the same through the fifth. And, uh, you know, did it, you know, he gave up that one run there in the sixth inning. But 
impressive performance, good life to his fastball, good two-seamer again, like the slider and the curveball. He just he's a competitor and he competes with his what he's got. And uh, you know, it's just he knows how to pitch. So it's he's going to continuing to get stronger every outing. Now, just like I said when we talked about the Pirates yesterday, the Orioles aren't going to move the national needle, right? Not with a 10 and 12 record. Right now, the Pirates are 11 and 11. But when you're a long suffering fan, you, you take the silver linings when you can get them, right? I mean, you, you take it wherever you can. For the O's this year so far, John Means, he's off to a great start. 2 and 0 with a 1.50 ERA, best in the American League. Harvey is 2-1 after last night. Cesar Valdez, who got a four-out save last night, he's 2-0 this season with five saves and an ERA of 0.84. Then offensively, you have Mullins, who's off to his great start, and not to mention, again, the Yankees are in last place, (laughs) which makes it all the more sweeter. And I mean, since it's still early, I mean, look, the season isn't even a month old yet. Teams have yet to separate themselves in the standings. So the O's are still only three and a half games behind the Red Sox for first in the East. If they could play at home, the way they play on the road, the Orioles might actually be dangerous. They're seven and four away from Baltimore this season, but just three and eight at Camden Yards, which you don't expect from most clubs. Now they do have three more games left against the Yankees. This is a four-game series. Tonight, Bruce Zimmerman gets the start for the O's. He is he isn't exactly uh, out of the gate uh, well this season. One and two with a robust ERA of 4.57. The Yankees will send out Corey Kluber, who uh, he hasn't exactly been great early on either. He is 0-2 with a 5.40 ERA. So something's got to give with these two pitchers. Either that or the game's going to be like 13-12. Because you got two starters. Whenever you have two starters and the best ERA among the two is 4.57, chances are there's going to be some runs scored. Chances are there's going to be some hits. There's going to be some action on the base paths. Uh, So we'll see what happens. Wouldn't it be something? I don't think it's going to happen. because It's very difficult. (laughs) Wouldn't it be amazing if the O's swept the Yankees? Wouldn't it be fantastic? Not just for Orioles fans, but just Yankee haters in general. If they could sweep. Now, again, I told you about their their home woes. So it's highly unlikely that they sweep four games from the Yanks at Camden. But wouldn't it be great if we're sitting here talking about it on Friday? Well, actually, uh, programming note, there is no show Friday. Just wanted to mention that. Uh, I'm taking Friday off because we got a long road trip Thursday night. 
So, no show Friday. I know the first round of the draft is Thursday. We'll talk about it from my perspective on Monday. You'll have four hours of KJZ Friday morning to break it all down for you. Admittedly, much better than I could. But wouldn't it be great if we're back here on Monday talking about the Orioles sweeping a four-game series from the Yanks at Camden. And again, the Yankees have owned Baltimore in Baltimore for the past couple seasons. I think if you're an O's fan, you'll take three or four, right? As a split, I don't even know if you're happy with the split because the Yankees just haven't been great this year. But you'd be happy with three or four, wouldn't you? You'd be really happy with a four-game sweep. Also tonight, I mentioned in the Rock Around the Region, the Nationals and Pirates are back in action. The Pirates, and we talked about them yesterday, after that 1-6 and six start, they won 10 of their next 15. They're back to 500 at 11-11. And, 11. and I, I kind of, I, I didn't want to, uh, you know, poo-poo it because I don't, I don't like the poo-poo things. It's not good to be a poo-pooer. But the Pirates, I mean, they beat the Tigers and they beat the Twins, you know, two of the worst teams in the American League. Tonight they have the Royals, and it's a, it's a short, it's a two-game set. But KC, one of the, the better surprises early on in the season. Right now the Royals in first place in the AL Central. They're 14-7 and seven this year. They've won five in a row, seven of their last ten. So it'll be a nice challenge for the Pirates tonight. The game is, the games are at uh, PNC Park to take on you know, so far a decent Kansas City team. The Nationals also some uh, interleague action as they take on the Blue Jays. Well, it's at, technically it's at Toronto, but it's not at Toronto. It's on the road, but it's not in Toronto. Because the Blue Jays still can't cross the border to play baseball. So they're playing down in Dunedin, Florida, at the Toronto Spring Training Facility. It's the last time the Blue Jays played a home game? Probably, I guess, 2019, right? Because they didn't play. They played in Buffalo last year at their AAA facility. <laughs> Poor Toronto. Now, if you're an AL East person, if you're an Orioles fan, you're not going to say Port Toronto. But still, that's tough. They had to play all of that shortened season last year in Buffalo and this year They've never left spring training. They went through spring training in Dunedin, and they've been there ever since playing their regular season. They haven't played a game in the Sky Dome. Is it still the Sky Dome? Whatever they call it, these, the Rogers Center. I don't know. They change names all the time. They haven't played a game ever since 2019, since the end of the 2019 season. Talk about true road warriors. I give you the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. But the Nats, you know, they're up and down this year. They're 8-11, and 11, last place in the NL East. Fortunately for the Nats, the rest of the NL East is, is not good. And we thought going into this season that the NL East would be the toughest, most competitive division in baseball. But right now, you have the Mets in first place at 9-8. and eight. 
one game over 500. The Phillies are in second at 11 and 11. And then the Braves and Marlins are both 10 and 12. And the Nats bringing up the rear at 8 and 11. So the Nats, everybody in the East trying to get on track. And again, it's early. We're not even a month in yet. But the Nats just can't really, with them so far this season, it's one step forward, one step back. They're 5-5 five and five at home, 3-6 and six on the road. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Have they even won back-to-back games this year? Once. Twice. Okay, twice. Only twice they've won back-to-back games this year. It's loss, win, loss, win, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss, win, loss. You get the point. So the Nats uh, trying to get on track tonight against uh, Toronto. We do not have that game tonight, do we? We have the Caps. Another big game involving a Washington team. Right? Yeah, we have the Caps. We have the Caps tonight against the Islanders, and then the Caps Thursday against the Penguins. Then we'll have the Nats tomorrow and Friday. So there you go. Huge games in the East Division in the NHL. Caps and Isles tonight, Penguins and Bruins, top four teams going at it on the ice. I love it. Heading down the home stretch. All right, when we come back, some high school hoops talk. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland, ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Tony C. in a big chair. Hanging out. Rush line is open. 301-759-2628. Going to talk some high school hoops now. All right. Uh, going back to last year, you know, after having all but one day wiped out, the West Virginia Girls State Basketball Tournament returns to Charleston today. Six games on the, now remember, it, it, it's, a one, it's one day early, which may have led to my confusion about what day it is. Actually, there are probably several factors that lead to my confusion, some of which I won't get into. But because of the extra classification, we got four classes now instead of three. Usually the state tournament starts on Wednesday. Now we're starting on Tuesday, at least for the next two years, while this four-class thing goes on a, a trial basis. Six games on the schedule, on the docket, on the slate today, including a double-A matchup between number four Frankfurt and number five Williamstown, we are efforting to get that game on this station today. I know that it'll be on our sister station, AM 1390, in Kaiser. We're playing every game of both tournaments on 1390 in Kaiser. We are efforting to get that Frankfurt-Williamstown game on this station. I am confident we will pull it off. Even if I have to just pull the 1390 feed and throw it up here at 11.15. We will have that game for you on Cumberland's ESPN Radio. 
Uh, starting at the top, top-seeded Parkersburg Catholic is the favorite to cut down the Nets on Saturday. The Crusaderettes have won 42 straight games, dating back to the start of last season. They are 16-0 and this year, winning every game by double digits. Uh, PC is led by the dynamic duo of Leslie Huffman and Aaliyah Brunny. Huffman averages 19.4 points a game. Brunny, 18.3 a game. So between those two, you're looking at almost, what is that, 38 points a game? It's impressive. Now the Crusaderettes will take on number 8 Ravenswood in uh, one quarterfinal game today. The Devilettes, that that does not roll off the tongue, the Devilettes. I thought we did away with all that. Did we not? I thought it was decided by nobody in particular that we just we did away with the lady and the ets, right? We don't do that anymore. It's like it's not like it's not the Frankfurt Falcons and then the Lady Falcons. It's just the Falcons. It's just it's not the Sentinels and the Lady Sentinels. It's just the Sentinels. I thought all that stuff was gone. Anyway, apparently not. Because we have the Crusader Ets versus the Devilettes. And the Devilettes, and I'm sure that's a real word. Uh, they're seven and seven after a three and six start. And as we talked about last week, uh, Ravenswood got to the state tournament by beating Buffalo. Are they the Buffaloettes in the region co final 14 to 11? That was the final score 14 to 11. These teams actually played twice this season. Uh, Parkersburg Catholic, of course, they're undefeated, so they won both of them uh, by 27 and 24 points. In the other AA quarterfinal today, we just talked about it, Frankfurt and Williamstown. Williamstown is 14-5. They come in having won nine of their last ten, the only loss coming to the aforementioned Parkersburg Catholic. Frankfurt comes in at 14 and 3. The Falcons have only lost twice in their last 15 games, both of those losses coming to Petersburg. And again, catch the game right here at 11:15. The other two AA quarterfinals will be played tomorrow. Number 3 Petersburg will face number 6 Charleston Catholic and number 2 Wyoming East. I just have Wyoming here that is not right. I mean, East will take on number seven, uh, Mingo Central. Petersburg, 14-1 and this year. Only loss coming to Frankfurt by two points in the sixth game of the season. Haven't lost since. Vikings are in Charleston for the first time since 2007. Charleston Catholic, 9-4. and four. The Irish have held their last three opponents to 26 or fewer points. Now, that's double A. Looking at Class A, there are two games this evening, both involving regional teams. At a pro- And it's all approximate with the tournament because the games, you never know when they're going to end. At approximately 5.30, top-seeded Tug Valley will take on number 8 Pendleton County. 
Tug Valley, 12-2. They have won nine straight heading into tonight's game. Pendleton County is 6-4. Tug Valley has not one, not two, but three 1,000-point scorers on the roster. And in the late game tonight, the 4-5 matchup between Tucker County and Webster County, as I've mentioned several times on this show, Tucker County making its 17th straight appearance in the state tournament. That is amazing. Webster County, just the opposite. They're making their first appearance since 2004. Tucker County, 16-4 this season. Webster is 14-2. Katie Colbank leads Tucker County 17.7 points a game. And the Tucker defense, very stingy this year. They held opponents to 40 points or less in 11 of their 20 games. Now, that's going to help. That, that, they'll need that defense tonight. Because Webster County, the Highlanders have won eight straight games. And they are led by a sophomore guard named Sidney Baird. Baird is averaging 30 points a game. And she's already surpassed the 1,000 career point mark in less than two full seasons, which, again, is amazing. Little side note here, Colbank for Tucker County and Baird for Webster County, they, they are actually teammates on the AAU circuit, so they are very familiar with one another. They play together AAU. And now tonight, they'll play against each other in the Class A quarterfinal. And I think we see more and more of that, right? As the AAU scene has exploded, and these AAU uh, AAU leagues have just popped up everywhere, everybody has a team now. You see a lot of players from different schools ending up playing together. Which... I don't know if I want to say I have a problem with it, but I've noticed a difference. I've noticed a difference between the way uh, players approach games against teams that have their AAU team. The the intensity isn't there. I've noticed this over the past couple years. Like before, this, this stuff never happened. You were never teammates. You were never buds. Right? You played for your school, and the other guy played for his school or girl. And whenever it's time to play in this in a regular season, you went at it. Then now the lines are blurred. They're blurred a bit because you got uh, kids from rival schools playing together in the summertime. So now when it comes time for the school season to roll around, well, they're all buddy buddy, which I don't know. That, that, that itches me a little bit. Just a little bit. But that's, hey, that's one of the consequences. That's one of the fallouts. That's one of the, you know, side effects of the AAU circuit. And you wonder, although I, I couldn't imagine, but you wonder if, you know, Katie Colbank from Tucker County and Sidney Baird from Webster County, you wonder if that would play into tonight's game. You would hope it wouldn't. You would hope that that both would be, you know, 
singularly focused on winning tonight's game. I mean, you're in the state tournament, right? You're This is it. You are playing to win and advance and win a state championship. So you would hope that players would be able to separate that AAU, for lack of a better word, friendship, and get down to brass tacks tonight when it comes, you know, and be like, hey, no offense, but I'm out here, you know, to beat your face in. I'm, I'm out here to, to win a game. You can be buddy-buddy on the AAU circuit, but you better leave all that stuff at the door when it comes to actual getting down to brass tacks. You hope that's the case. But it should be a great matchup between Tucker County and Webster County tonight. should be excellent. That Again, that's the late game at 9 o'clock. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, real quick before we go to break, uh, on the boys' side tonight, tomorrow we'll talk about it. The AAA state tournament field will be set. There are eight games on tap tonight. Region finals or co-finals in all four classes, including Hampshire. The boys are at home in the Region 1 co-final. Trojans 13-2 on the year. They will take on North Marion, uh, who is 7-5. Winner of that game. Punches the ticket. Making travel plans. To head to Charleston uh, next week. So we could have the Hampshire girls in the state tournament this week, then the Hampshire boys next week, which would be kind of cool, actually. All right, stick around, heading to break, come back to wrap up hour number one here on Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Morning Rush rolls on on this Tuesday morning. Tony C in a big chair, ears bleeding and everything right now. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Now look, let's make something clear. Last uh, segment, we're talking about the uh, West Virginia girls tournament getting underway today in Charleston. And we're talking about the uh, Tucker County-Webster County game, which is the late game tonight, the single-A quarterfinal. And Tucker County has uh, Katie Colbank, and Webster County has uh, Sidney Baird. And both are really, really good. And both play on the, the same AAU team, which really kind of struck me as, Odd. I'm not exactly sure where Webster County is, but is it anywhere near Tucker County? Like it's kind of amazing to have those two players on the same AAU team, and I don't even know if they're even close to each other. But anyway, it may come off every now and then that I am against AAU ball, and that is not the case. I just want to make that clear. Because I said last segment, I hope that those two you know, can separate their AAU teammateship with what's going down tonight. Because I'm sorry to tell you, what's going down tonight is far more important than anything they've done on the AAU circuit. Sorry. Players that good, they're, they're getting looks. They're in a state tournament. They don't need AAU ball to get looks. They're getting looks tonight. And I, I said I noticed over the past several years that Kids who play together on AAU teams, 
it might be a little bit too buddy-buddy for my liking when it comes to actually playing each other in school ball. Because, and it's it's fine if if, if you, you make a bond and you make a friendship on AAU team. Of course, that's, that's good. But you just got to learn how to separate the two. I am not against AAU ball. At one point, I was. I will admit. I had an issue with it. And the reason I had an issue with it is AAU ball used to be, used to be reserved for the best of the best. Like if you played AAU ball, you were probably going somewhere, right? You, I mean, you were an all-star, you were an all-state, you were getting looks from big-time schools or even small-time schools. And then it kind of transitioned to basically, look, if you had 10 jerseys and an entry fee, you could have an AAU team. It just exploded, and, 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 an S, and it, it kind of watered it down a bit for me. Because no longer was AAU reserved for the best of the best. Now it's just anybody. Anybody can have an AAU team. Just grab 10 kids, entry fee, boom, play. Which is okay. I think the more you play, the better off you're going to be. You know, if, any, as long, if a kid has a, a basketball in his hands, 10 out of the 12 months, I'm cool with that. The only issue that I have with AAU ball, and I've seen it happen, I've heard it happen. The only issue that I have is when you have AAU leagues or teams try to pilfer players away from school. When they try to, for lack of a better word, advertise the AAU circuit as a better alternative than playing for your school. That's where I have a problem. That's where I have an issue when I, when I, I see... You know, people who run these AAU teams talk about, you know, hey, come play for us. You'll win, you know, you'll play 40 games in the spring and summer. You'll play 50 games. You're not going to get that at the high school level. You're only get 22 games at the high school level. That's where I have an issue. Because there's still something to be said for playing for your school. And I, I'm fairly certain I talked about this before, so if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. When you talk every day for two years straight, you tend to repeat yourself. Kids need to work. Kids, And there's another issue I have uh, with AAU ball. Is I, Sometimes I question. It's not everybody. I'm not putting everybody in the same group here. But I question how much development these kids are actually getting playing AAU ball. Because a lot of times you're playing three, four games a day. You play early, you get a break, you play again, you get a break, you play again. Seriously, that's how it works. And I just wonder how much time is being spent on developing the players individually. Because just playing can only take you so far. Right? All right, so great. You play four games in one day. But if you're making the same mistakes in all four games, who cares? Sometimes you have AAU coaches who work with the kids, who develop the kids, and that's great. Sometimes you don't, and that's just the reality of it. Sometimes you have coaches who just roll a ball out there and say, all right, we got four games this Saturday, let's go play. And And again, if the player's making the same mistake every game and not getting better, what's the point? People look at AAU ball as this golden ticket, right? 
play, get on the AAU circuit, get on all these tournaments, the big Pittsburgh tournaments, the big Martinsburg tournaments, right? The big uh, Myrtle Beach tournaments, and there's going to be coaches there, and they're going to see everybody, and they're going to see me, and I'm going to get a D1 scholarship. You know how many players don't get one? You know the this low percentage of kids who play AAU ball will actually get a scholarship to a big time school or even like a even a D two school. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. And I think that line gets blurred. You know, look if you're good enough, and I've said this before. If you're good enough, people will let you know, whether you play high school ball or AAU ball or whatever. And I see a lot of times you have uh, parents or coaches kind of pushing kids into the travel circuit, pushing kids into the AAU circuit because they think they'll get more recognition and and, and they kind of push school ball off to the side. I, I have compromised, you know, that there's room for both. There has to be room for both because there's something to be said about playing the travel ball, but there's also something to be said about playing for your school. If you're good enough, people will let you know. Scouts, other coaches, they look, they'll find you. Trust me. <laughs> they'll find you no matter what circuit you're on. So again, I don't want it to ever sound like I'm against travel ball or AAU ball. Because I'm not. The more you play, that's good. Experience is good. Just as long as you're getting better individually as a player and not just playing for playing's sake. You follow me? There's room for both. So let's make room for both. All right. Hour number one done. Coming up, what else? Hour number two. Stick around. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Reminder, several ways to get involved on the show. Our Twitter pages at ESPN Morning Rush. At Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word. Our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All those pages open to the public. Like them, follow them. And anytime you feel froggy, take the leap. Just drop me a line. Got a question, comment, an opinion. If it's suitable enough, I'll read it over the air. If it's not suitable enough, then get your act together. Taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance, shamo, 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day. Take all the commercials, cut it up, slice it up, clean it up just for you. In case you missed something, if you missed the first hour, we talked Orioles baseball. We talked high school basketball. We talked about AAU basketball and how I don't hate it. I'm not against it. I just have some issues like I do with anything else. So you can check it out on our podcast page when I upload the show uh, later on today. I want to one more thing about the whole AAU thing. Uh, we do it now or do the rock around the region. All right, let's rock around the region first, and then we'll get back uh, to the AAU thing. I want to rock right now. And we start with the NBA. 
where the Wizards hosted the Spurs last night, trying to match a franchise record with their ninth straight win, and the game went to overtime. Westbrook will get it in front court right against Jakob Pertl. Outside right now to Beal. Beal hesitation, step back dribble, and a three is off the rim, no good. Rebound grabbed by Bertans, but this ball game is over. The San Antonio Spurs have snapped the Washington Wizards' eight-game winning streak, and the Spurs have improved their road record to 18-10. and 10. Big road win tonight for the San Antonio Spurs as they outlast the Wizards in the highest scoring game of the year for the Spurs in overtime. San Antonio 146, Washington 143. The call on WOAI, win streak over for the Wizards. Spurs get the three-point win, 146-143. That is the second largest combined score in the NBA this season. Uh, Bradley Bill had 45 points for the Wiz. Russell Westbrook, another triple-double, 22 points, 13 rebounds, 14 assists. His 12th triple-dub in April, breaking the NBA record previously held by Wilt Chamberlain for most triple-dubs in a calendar month. So on Sunday, we had Steph Curry uh, breaking the NBA record for made three-pointers in a calendar month with 85, and now we have Westbrook, the triple-dub record. And oh, by the way, the month isn't over yet. In Major League Baseball, Cedric Mullins had himself a game for the Orioles. Deft is not a usual descriptor there. This one's blasted to center by oh, Mullins. You've got to be and it's gone! <laughs> Dead center field, Cedric Mullins! His third extra base hit of the game. Outrageous! Well, not only is it outrageous, it's out of reach. Oh, wow. The call on Mid-Atlantic Sports Net. Two dingers, a double, and two RBI for Mullins who led the Orioles past the Yankees 4-2 at Camden Yards. The win moved Baltimore a game ahead of last place New York in the AL East. O's are now 4-13 at home against the Yanks since 2019. Elsewhere, the Nationals and Pirates were off Monday. The Nats opened a two-game series tonight against Toronto. That game at Toronto, but then again in Florida. The Pirates open a two-game home set against the first-place Royals. In college basketball, Derek Culver's career as a Mountaineer is over. Uh, Culver confirmed last night he has signed with the agency Athletes Sports Management, which means he cannot return to West Virginia. Culver, an all-Big 12 first-team selection last season. High school basketball, the West Virginia Girls State Tournament gets underway today in Charleston, Frankfurt. The number four seed in AA will take on number five, Williamstown, at 11-15 in the AM. Not, that's way too late in the PM. Uh, both teams won 14 games this season. We'll have that game right here on this very station again at 11-15. Later today in single A, Number one, Tug Valley will take on number eight, Pendleton County. That game, approximately 5.30. And in the late game, at around 9 o'clock, number four, Tucker County, making its 17th straight appearance in the state tournament, will take on number five, Webster County. And in boys' action tonight, come tomorrow morning, we'll have the AAA field set for Charleston 
as we have eight region co-finals in AAA this evening. Hampshire, the Trojans, will try to punch their ticket to the Boy State Tournament next week when it hosts North Marion in the Region 1 co-final. And that is uh, your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. All right, so uh, back to the AAU thing real quick. And if you missed the earlier parts of it in the last hour, again, check it out uh, on our podcast page on that free uh, Podbean app. Wanted to make it clear that I, I have nothing against AAU. I don't. I used to, but I don't anymore. And the only reason why I brought it up and got on the subject is we were talking about the girls' state tournament and that game tonight between Tucker County and Webster County. Because Tucker County has a girl, uh, Katie Colbank, and Webster has uh, Sydney Baird. They play on the same AAU team. And you know, my point was they got to put that AAU teammate ship aside because tonight's more important. And sometimes that line gets blurred when you have rival players who play on the same AAU team. So it kind of gets a little bit tricky. And then I, I, had to, I had to follow that up with the fact, I had to clear it up. I'm not against AAU ball. I'm not. I just, people have to understand that there, there is room for both. There, I have a trouble with AAU when people talk about AAU as a better alternative than the school team. That's where I have an issue. There's room for both. Right When AAU season starts, the school season's over. And I've seen it happen. I've heard it happen. I've watched it happen. AAU folks try to tell players, you don't want to play for your school team. Come play for AAU. We have more games. You'll get more people looking at you. That bothers me. There's room for both. So I wanted to clear that up. When you talk about travel teams, whether any sport really, because now there's like travel football teams and everything. The one, the one thing I've noticed, and I guess it's a consequence when we've had this explosion of AAU ball and travel ball, whether it's basketball or baseball, and it's just a sad after effect or aftermath, call it what you want. It seems like the youth leagues around here have really suffered lately especially baseball. And maybe I'm off on that. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But it seems like as more and more travel teams become available, and and really when you look at it, when you think about it, these travel teams, I'll use baseball as the example, they're all-star teams. They're traveling all-star teams. It's Bingo Long and the traveling all-stars. And if you get that reference, uh, give yourself – I don't know, eight and a half points. But that's what they are. You get coaches who just want to throw together the best team they can and they go and they play. And what that does as a consequence is that takes a lot of the good players away from the youth leagues. I've seen numbers drop in Little League. I've seen hot stove baseball, I think, has suffered. Because of travel ball. Hot stove baseball used to be the league. The league around here. 
And, and I know this because my son just got done playing Hostove a couple years ago. And I, I think the quality has dropped a bit because a lot of the, the players that would have normally played Hot Stove, like the top of the line, really good baseball players in the area, they're not playing anymore. They're playing travel ball. They are, they're, like, they're like LeBron James. They're taking their talents elsewhere. <laughs> I just think that's a sad – I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it. I understand when, whenever anything new hits the scene, when something new explodes on the scene, something has to suffer, right? The cassette replaced vinyl. The CD replaced the cassette. Digital music replaced the CD. Something always ends up falling off when something new explodes. And with the explosion of AAU ball and travel ball, I think the youth leagues have suffered. I think numbers are down. There's a lot of factors other than just travel ball, but it's part of it. It's just something I've noticed. Numbers are down in Little League. They're down in Hot Stove. They're down in youth basketball because everybody just wants to play AAU ball and travel ball now. And so the kids who may not be good enough, the kids who may not catch the eye of an AAU coach or a travel ball, they're left scuffling because in a lot of cases, there's not enough kids left to put together just a regular little league team or a regular youth basketball team. That's the way it seems to me. I could be completely off, but I don't think I am. It seems just like just the the things that used to when I was a kid. Now look, I'm going back a long way, a long way. But man, like little league was the thing, because that was the only thing. So everybody played little league, and then you move up to senior league, and then you had pony league, you had legion ball. Legion ball has exploded over the past I don't know five ten years. Legion ball was never. That big when I played, never. Nowadays, those again, those they're traveling all star teams. Legion ball is huge, and again, a lot of it is because whether they be coaches or their players themselves or their parents, they want their their kids to be seen, right? These big tournaments, all the travel ball, the best of the best. They want to be seen, which is fine. But, you know, other things, other leagues, other teams suffer in the process. That's just, I keep on wanting to say side effect. It's not the word I'm looking for. But you get the point. Maybe it's me. If you see it differently, give me a call. 301-759-2628. And again, I'm not I'm not here to downplay or to, you know talk poorly about travel ball and AAU ball. It all has its place. I just think that the other the youth leagues they've been suffering over the last what do you want to call it five years or so because of this explosion in, in travel ball. Maybe it's just me. That's the way I see it. Anyway. Again, give me a call, 301-759-2628. I mentioned this in the Rock Around the Region as we switch gears. To college hoops, 
If you're a Mountaineer fan, brace yourself. First, uh, he was leaving. Uh, Then he wasn't leaving. Then he signed with an agency, but then he denied it, but then he confirmed it. (laughs) I'm talking about Derek Culver. Uh, When all was said and done, uh, Culver is no longer a West Virginia Mountaineer. Culver confirmed late last night on his Instagram page that his career in Morgantown has come to an end after he signed with the agency Athletes Sports Management. Now, Culver initially denied the report. There was a story by 24-7 Sports, and 24-7 reported that Culver was done at West Virginia. And uh, 24-7 Sports cited a tweet by Servando Tejada, who is the president and owner of Athletes Sports Management, ASM. And the tweet was kind of like a a welcome. Like they welcomed uh, Duke's uh, DJ Stewart, NC State's DJ Funderburk, and Culver to the agency. The the tweet even included a picture of the three players. But Culver denied on Instagram that, first of all, he declared for the NBA draft. But he deleted that post. Then he denied that he signed with ASM. But then he confirmed it last night that he was indeed leaving. And you know he said he denied the initial report because he thought it was unfair to the people who have supported him to hear about his intentions from somebody else, right? Like they didn't want people to hear or see that tweet from the owner of ASM that he's leaving. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to tell him himself. That's why he initially denied it, and then push came to shove, and then he confirmed it. And because, call her, hold on, because ASM is not an NCAA certified agency, uh, Culver signing means that his final two years of eligibility is is gone, is done. And we'll pick up right there in a second. Let's go to the rush line, 301-759-2628. You're up. Who's this? Hey, it's James. What's up, Tony? What's up, man? Hey, uh, Derek Culver leaving. I'm a Mountaineer fan. You know that. Yeah. I, it does. It doesn't sting. It doesn't. It should. No, I'm relieved. Why? <laughs> well, he struggled a lot this year. A lot. A lot. I, don't, don't get me wrong. The majority of games he played in, he was really good. But when he struggled, we looked really bad. There were some big games like Baylor that he missed two open layups in the final seconds of that game that would have won it. Right. So I'm not calling him a choke artist, but I don't know how to finish that sentence. That's what he is. So I'm kind of relieved. And this whole back-and-forth thing, I'm, 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 I'm not going, and then reports were that he was going to declare and all this other stuff. We're Mountaineer fans. We're used to that stuff with Rich Rodriguez and, and, <laughs> and the likes. So we're used to this stuff. It's just a relief. But now we know what what his plans are. There's no question. So, All yeah, right, fair we're enough. Gonna, we're we're going to move on from that, and we'll replace him with someone as good or better. You know, someone that can take an open shot in the final couple seconds and and make it. Right, right. Now, in his defense, he wasn't the only one missing layups in that game. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you know, uh, they all had they they had their chances. Um, you're right. But now we'll have one less. Right. Right. <laughs> 
and don't get me wrong, I, I enjoyed watching him, but man, when he was bad, it just uh, he just wanted to punch a wall. Yeah, fair enough. Because he's he's a first team Big Twelve player, right. but when when it came to pivotal shots, he couldn't make them. So, in other words, he was making the easy shots, and he wasn't making the ones that, that yeah. someone needed to step up and make when it when they were needed. Right. So, right. So with this whole question, if he was going to leave or not, it's it's answered, and we can move on from that. So yeah. I'm relieved. Right. It doesn't sting. Fair enough. All right. Fair hey, enough. Have a good one. All right, man. Thanks, James. 301-759-2628. James says farewell and adieu to you, Mr. Culver. Thanks for the memories. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. He didn't say that. I said that. And he has a point. The back and forth stuff was a little bit annoying. But like Culver said, he he wanted people to hear it from me or him and not anybody else. One of the lasting memories, and I do believe this was this the NCAA tournament game where he hardly played at all in the second half. Huggins went with Osaboyan in the second half because Osaboyan was just playing better defense. I think that was the, the the last the last game of the season, unless I have my uh, my games wrong. But there was one game late in the season where Osa Boyan got a ton of playing time and Culver was just benched, basically, because he just wasn't effective. But still, we're talking about a guy who, like James mentioned, an all-Big you know, 12 first-team selection, he put up points. He, he, led, he led the conference in double-doubles this season. Averaged 14.2 points, nine boards a game. And, you know, James mentioned about replacing him. And there were some signs in the offseason that that Culver was done in Morgantown. Mainly, if you were paying attention, you noticed they added two two post players from the transfer portal. Uh, This kid, Diamond Kerrigan from Florida International, and (laughs) Polly Polycap from DePaul. And I, I still can't get over the fact that there is a dude named Polly Polycap that went to, of all places, DePaul. DePaul's Polly Polycap. So the addition of those two players pointed to the possibility that Culver was done, and indeed he is. When he was good, he was really good. I mean, he averaged double digits in his three seasons at West Virginia. He, he scored over 1,000 points in 86 games. But he is just another in a an incre- seemingly long line of Mountaineers who are done. He is the third of West Virginia's five juniors that won't be back next season because Jordan McCabe transferred to UNLV. Emmett Matthews went out west to Washington. And now Culver is gone to the NBA. And I'm not even sure how much how well he's going to pan out in the NBA. Because uh, NBA Scouting Live has Culver projected as a late second-round NBA draft pick. He might even get drafted. I mean, he's signed with the agency and everything. He's working out in Los Angeles as we speak. Well, maybe not right now because it's 5 o'clock in the morning in Los Angeles. But he's working to get himself ready for the NBA draft. If he's def- I don't think he's a first-round pick. 
if anybody, it'll be Miles McBride. McBride, and that's another thing to consider too. You got McCabe gone. You got Matthews gone. Culver's gone. I know you have Sean McNeil testing the NBA waters. I think he'll be back. But you could also lose Miles McBride. Deuce could be on the loose in the NBA. That's a lot of players to lose from one team. <laughs> That's a lot. Again, McNeil will be back. You have Osaboyan coming back. You have some pieces in place. How long it'll take for these transfers to get acclimated to Huggins' uh, system, who knows? But you had a team that kind of flirted with the Big 12 title for most of last season. They're hemorrhaging players right now. Now, don't get me wrong. Most teams are. Most teams are because of the, the transfer portal. Most teams around the country are losing players. And by the same token, gaining players because of the transfer portal. James uh, texts me, says that Deuce will be back. Huggins said so. We'll see. Huggins can say that. But if some NBA team floats a nice little draft pick in front of Deuce, he's gone. I'll believe it whenever I see it. It would behoove Deuce to come back to Morgantown for another season because he might be able to play himself up into a first-round draft pick. Right now, I think he's listed as a high second round. So I think he should go back, but who knows? If he gets high marks, if he gets some you know NBA team sniffing around, saying, hey, we might take you late first round, he's not coming back, and, and nor should he. But we'll see. I'm surprised Culver's leaving. I really am. Because he's got two years left. Well, he did anyway. Because remember, everybody gets that extra year of eligibility because of the pandemic. He would have had at least one more year, maybe two left he could have helped his draft stock. I'm surprised he left after this past season. Because, again, uh, if, he is, if he's not taking late second round, he's not getting taken at all. Then it's probably G League time or Europe time uh, for one Derek Culver. All right, time for a break. Get a check of news and weather coming up. When we come back, some NFL draft talk. What are the Niners doing with pick number three. I don't even think they know. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Maryland made an addition yesterday announcing that former Kansas and NBA star Danny Manning is joining the uh, Terps coaching staff as an assistant coach. Uh, Manning worked for ESPN last year. Before that, he was head coach at Wake Forest for six seasons. And one thing I didn't realize is that uh, Maryland head coach Mark Turgeon and Manning were teammates at Kansas. I didn't know that. From uh, 1984 to 87, when Larry Brown was still the head coach there. And in 86, uh, they made the Final Four. Manning, a team's leading scorer, Turge with uh, 10 minutes of playing time off the bench. Now, Manning comes in because a former assistant, DeAndre Haynes, left Maryland 
for a position uh, with Shaka Smart at Marquette. So there was an opening, and Maryland said, hey, Danny Manning, come on down. So Danny Manning, a new assistant coach uh, at Maryland. So, all right. (laughs) I'm almost ashamed to admit this. But I think we all have our uh, guilty pleasures in life, right? We have things, whether it be a TV show or a certain type of music or something that we just kind of don't want it to get out in public too much. But I'll talk about it anyway. There is a show on Netflix called The Circle. I'd never heard of it before until... Last week. And it was one of those deals where I'm in a living room. I'm pro- I think I was on my, my iPad there. And my wife, Mrs. C, she's watching this show. And so I'm, I'm not paying attention, but I can hear it. And it caught my attention because it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life. And to try to make it short, the circle... It's a reality show. And it, it kind of reminded me of the real world, but in like a social media aspect. What you have, you have these people in this apartment building. And the only way they can communicate is through this thing called the circle, which is basically like a, 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 a social media platform. And as my wife is watching it, and I'm I'm hearing it, they're talking to each other basically through text messaging. And that's it. Like That's their only form of communication is to message these other people in this apartment building. There's no TV. There's no radio. They can't get online. They're basically just shuttered up in these apartments. And the only way that they can talk is to message each other. And, that, and that's how... They actually do it. And that's what I'm listening. I'm like, because they would say message at John. And then they would really, they would dictate a text message and then send it. And then John in his apartment would get the message. And, and I'm hearing it. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing because it sounded so ridiculous. Because just hearing people talk to verbalize text messages and then they would they would add the you know the heart emoji or the winky face emoji and they hear them say it and they would even like verbalize hashtags i'm like this is the dumbest thing i've ever heard in my life because my wife even asked she goes what is this hashtag thing that's how far removed from social media she is so i had to explain a hashtag to her but then here's the tricky part Here's where the story takes a turn. As she continues to watch this show, I, I, I start to pay a little more attention. <laughs> and then before I know it, I'm no longer on my iPad. I am now intently watching this show. Because after my initial disdain for this show, I couldn't stop watching it. Could, I just, it just couldn't. Because there are, come to find out, there are so many other things more involved in this show. Like they have to, they have to rate each other, and then at the end of like an episode, somebody gets blocked, 
and they get blocked from the circle and they have to leave the apartment building and then they bring somebody else in. And when you go into the circle, you don't have to be yourself. You could be a catfish. You can pretend to be anybody you want. And you can post photos of other people who's not you and pretend to be. That's what got me. Because you talk about this was it's basically a real life reenactment of what social media really is. It's a bunch of people who you have no idea what they look like, who they really are, who can pretend to be whoever they want to be. And that is what I found fascinating about this show. Because you had people in this circle who were claiming to be somebody that they weren't. And by simply using these text messages, convinced these other people, like people fell for it. Everything these people said they believed without any contact, without any face-to-face contact. And really, it just showed you how dangerous social media could be. Because you can jump on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can be anybody you want. And people are gullible enough to fall for it. So count me in as a fan of The Circle on Netflix. We just finished up season one. They're into second season. There's like a new episode every week. I'm all on board. Again, I, I couldn't stand it. when it, <laughs> I just, I hated it. Then it sucked me in. Because there are just some, some, you know, some deeper things about this show that are kind of revealed about what can go on in social media and how you can completely fool somebody into being somebody that you're not. So anyway, I just wanted to talk about that because I thought it was just fascinating. Also fascinating, as I'm sure you already know, uh, if you're listening to a sports talk show, I assume that you do. The first round of the NFL draft is two days away. And one of the biggest question marks heading into this Thursday continues to be, what the heck is San Francisco doing at number three? Be, unless every expert on the planet is wrong, Jacksonville is taking Trevor Lawrence at number one. And the Jets are taking Zach Wilson at number two. Even though uh, Mel Kiper Jr. thinks Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in this year's class. Three weeks ago, the Niners pulled off that massive trade, right? They sent three first-round picks, including this year's number 12, to the Dolphins to move up nine spots to number three. Three weeks later, it seems like they have absolutely no clue as to who they're going to take with that third overall pick. Either that, or they're just yanking everybody's chains. Like, they're just this massive smokescreen, and they're fooling everybody. Head coach uh, Kyle Shanahan said yesterday that they had somebody in mind when they first made that trade three weeks ago. But now, they'd be comfortable with taking one of five guys. And he's not talking about the hamburger joint. We made a decision this process that we felt we needed to get a starting quarterback this year and add that to our team. There were five guys that we thought 
we felt that we'd be okay with taking. You know, we knew that there was three at the time exactly. That's why we thought three was a good spot to go to. After going through this whole process, I feel good about five guys at three. Um, yeah, we had a guy probably at first back then, but we knew that wasn't set in stone. Can you say with certainty that Jimmy Garoppolo will be on the roster on Sunday? Um, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday, so I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. First of all, that's a bunch of malarkey right there. Jimmy G is as good as gone. They're not taking a quarterback at number three just to sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo. That's just not happening. Shanahan says that we had one guy in mind, that there, there were basically three that they wanted to take. That's why they jumped to number three, because Jacksonville takes one, Jets take two, and then they're left with number three. But now he's saying there's five. There's five potential guys that they could take at number three. So then the question is, why move up to number three? It seems like they don't know what they're doing. If there are five guys that you would want, then you probably could have stayed at 12 and gotten one of those five. Now, (laughs) what we do know, we think, is that San Fran is going to take either Justin Fields, I'm losing my voice here, either Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones with that third overall pick. Unless the Jets shock the world and take somebody other than Zach Wilson. The guys are highly questionable. Question how the Niners can move up nine spots to three but seem to have no concrete idea of what they're going to do. This is what it's coming down to now for the 49ers, which is kind of in line with some whispers that we heard earlier that the 49ers were all the way into Lance before Chris Sims told us that he figured the 49ers would be taking Mac Jones, and then we all got on board with that one. Here's the part that doesn't make sense. Who trades up to number three and they're not sure, right? Like that's the part that gets me about it is that somehow you are not sure when you trade it up to number three, and it looks like you're still leaning toward the guy that you definitely could have gotten after Pick number three. No, I don't find that a lot of this makes sense. I am a little surprised that Justin Fields would not be in the group of players who are ultimately being considered. But Trey Lance, at least in the ways that people talk about him, all the talent, but just a little bit raw, that sounds a lot like Mahomes. And you got to wonder if that's what somebody thinks they can get. It's a guy that they can stash for maybe a year, work out the kinks, and then he turns out to be a superstar player because he has superstar type of talent. But if they take Mac Jones, I'm sorry. None of it makes sense to me at all. If, if, let's go back to the beginning. Does it make sense? No. Just because we've been talking about Mac Jones in this pick for so long doesn't mean it makes sense that you think about taking him with the damn pick. Diana Rossini said they moved up thinking they were going to get Mac Jones, and some recent events have started to have them feel a little more comfortable with Trey Lance. I don't understand what could have happened recently. If you're letting a pro day change your mind, you're doing this wrong. If you're letting an interview change your mind in a positive direction, you're doing this wrong. Like, I'm shocked that Mac Jones was the guy, but I'm even more shocked that a couple of throws in shorts and no helmets suddenly made them think, hmm, maybe we're wrong about this. Maybe we need to give Trey Lance a second guess. Like, to me, this feels like subterfuge season, and they are trying to confuse us all. I don't know who they're trying to trick, but they ain't getting me. They are taking Justin Fields. Book it. (laughs) 
I'm going with our guy Todd McShay. And Todd says that it's basically Kyle Shanahan has wanted Mac Jones and the front office has wanted Trey Lance this entire time. And maybe that's where the change happened. Maybe the front office decided, hey, we can talk our head coach into picking the guy that we want instead of the guy that he wants, which I heard our other uh, Mel Kuyper, our other excellent analyst say that Mac Jones is intelligence, which, you know, <laughs> it's one of those words that just bugs me a little bit, when, is what's really getting him there and the accuracy. But Trey Lance, they basically say the knock on him while he does have an amazing football IQ. Like, I've heard stiffness in the upper body. So all you got to do is stretch him out a little bit, and he's good. Like, I, I think if you look at the pros and cons for both of these quarterbacks, it doesn't make much sense if you're choosing Mac Jones over Trey Lance or, frankly, either of them over Justin Fields, who's just the guy that people want to knock. He's the one guy that people are knocking in this quarterback class. And to me, that doesn't make a ton of sense. But sometimes when you've got these teams that seem to be doing it all wrong and everybody's saying, hey, you're doing this all wrong, maybe they are. It's all very confusing. And what I do know is that they're probably overthinking this. Or maybe, maybe the Niners know exactly what they're doing. And maybe they're just crazy like a fox on this one. Putting up a massive smokescreen for everybody else involved. And they know exactly what they're going to do. Because this is, after all, the season of misinformation. Draft season. All right, one quick break. Come back to wrap it up. Stick around. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Before we get out of here, as always, let's check on the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the Indians, Jordan Luplo? Now the 1-1, swung on, hit high, hit deep to left. Lynn is back, still going back, and it is gone! A game-winning walk-off two-run home run for Jordan Luplo. Tom Hamilton, the call on WTAM. Two-run, walk-off home run for Luplo in the 10th inning to give Cleveland a 5-3 win over Minnesota. It was the second walk-off homer of Luplo's career, the first uh, coming last season. So Jordan Luplo, former Pirate, the player who delivered, uh, brought to you once again by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. Uh, Do not forget, or if you're just hearing it for the first time. Coming up at 11.15 this morning, we are going to have uh, hope beyond hope. We are efforting. We're going to have it. I will go out on the limb and say we're going to have it. The AA quarterfinal, number four, Frankfurt, number five, Williamstown, right here on this very station, 11.15. Later on tonight, we got some Caps hockey. The Caps, a really big game in the East Division against the Islanders. Uh, pre-game is 645, puck drop shortly after 7 o'clock. And really two big games in the East Division tonight because the Penguins, who are now in first in the East, are playing uh, right now currently the fourth seed, the Boston Bruins. So Pens in first place in the East with 67 points. Then the Caps at 66, Isles at 63, then the Bruins at 60. So there could be, come tomorrow morning, depending on how the Caps, you know, and Isles game shakes out, or the Pens for that matter, 
The Penguins could increase their lead in the East by three. The Caps could be back in first place by a point. The Isles could gain ground on the Pens if the Pens lose and the Isles win. Then they'll be three points behind Pittsburgh. The Bruins desperately need. Desperation is a strong word, but it would be very helpful if they won because the Rangers are only four points back of Boston for that fourth spot in the East Division. And again, we're heading down the home stretch, right? Only, you see, Pens have seven regular season games left. The Caps and Isles have eight each, and the Bruins have nine each. So in a couple weeks, the regular season wraps up, and we're into the Stanley Cup playoffs, which, with all apologies to Christmas, one of the most wonderful times of the year. Love me some Stanley Cup playoff hockey. It's hard to beat it. It really is. For me, as far as the tournaments go, because we're talking about the girls' state tournament in Charleston, as far as tournaments go, Stanley Cup playoffs and the NCAA tournament, I don't think anything beats them. Nothing. NFL playoffs are great, sure. Major League Baseball playoffs are great, okay, especially since the wild card came in. NBA playoffs, call me when the conference finals start. The golf majors, of course, but that's that's something completely different. For my money, sign me up every single year as far as drama and upsets and just good theater. Nothing better than the NCAA tournament and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Nothing. Especially in, in standing, there's nothing greater than Game 7 of a Stanley Cup playoff series. Nothing. And I will fight anybody on that. Not physically, because I'm too old for that. Nothing better than a Game 7 on the ice in the playoffs. Now, I know we've seen some great Game 7s in baseball and in basketball. I get it. But just the intensity. And if you've never seen it, you're missing out. You're missing out on a Stanley Cup playoffs. Again, right around the corner. So high school hoops today at 11.15. Hockey tonight at 6.45. Right here on Cumberland's Yes. All right, we're done. That's it. I got to get out of here. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Ah, I see you.